Welcome back, Wildcat Faithful, to the Wildcat Radio Podcast. My name is Ronnie Stoffel, and as always, I'm joined by Mr. Adam Green. Adam, Happy New Year to you, buddy. Yeah, Happy New Year to you. May 2019 bring, I guess, better for Arizona sports than 2018 did outside of, you know, our wonderful women's golf team. They did well, but everyone else was kind of a little bit disappointing, I feel like, at least the big sports. Uh, yeah, especially on the men's side of things too, right? Because if you go back to obviously the Buffalo loss happened, uh, obviously Kevin Sumlin's first season didn't go according to plan or wishes. Uh, the first half of this basketball season, I don't know the whole, you know, FBI thing looming over. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Maybe, maybe it's just uh, fast forward and, uh, I, I forwarded to 2019 better things coming. One thing to point out too, though, before we go much further here into the housekeeping stuff, uh, Arizona women's basketball, right? Yeah, beat, yeah, they're playing ASU. well. They're playing, they're playing really well. So that's that's pretty exciting stuff. So now the ASU uh, game, aside from just beating ASU, of course, I think what she was ranked seventeenth, eighteenth going to that game. But I, I know think seventeenth. Yeah. Arizona's non-conference schedule was not exactly tough. And a lot of people are wondering if their record was a little bit more of a mirage, more of what to say. You played no one good, and yeah, it's a home game, but ASU is good, and Arizona knocked them off, so it lends some validity to what they are doing down there. Barnes is doing a great job building that program, rebuilding that program. So yeah, I mean, we always focus on the men's sports here, and you know, those are, I guess, the big revenue sports, but it's always awesome to see anyone who's wearing the Arizona colors succeed on the court, on the field, wherever it is, and the basketball team, the women's basketball team, they are looking pretty good so far. I'll take a banner any way I can get it at him. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to be picky about that. So, Absolutely. Uh, but, but, but probably to your point, maybe, maybe that, that was a uh, lofty expectations there. I don't know exactly if, <laughs> uh, you know, if, if, if we're ready to be on the same level as the Yukon or, or, or the lady fighting Irish, that type of thing just yet, but it is trending in the correct direction. So I think that's very exciting, but now shifting back, I guess to uh, you know, men's basketball, right? Here we are, uh, ended, wrapped up conference play. Uh, not not necessarily the way we wanted to. Uh, obviously, lost to Baylor there, and then uh, you know we made it made it look okay against Montana, UC Davis. Good Lord, we'll get into that here in a moment. Um, but yeah, Adam, I think before we go much farther here, but before I forget, let's go ahead and take care of a couple of uh, housekeeping items here. Um, Wildcat Radio Podcast, please subscribe. Uh, you can do so for free through iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn. Really, any of your podcast catchers uh, should be able to pick up that podcast again for free. Be sure to follow us on social media. Our Twitter handle at Wildcat Radio AZ. Check out our Facebook page, Wildcat Radio. Also, our website, wildcatradioaz.com. The bowl pool just finished up, and I believe the final tally, I actually need to circle back with Brian on this, and I think there'll probably be the official announcement uh, by the time you hear this, but I'm pretty sure Rick DeNice is uh, the reigning back-to-back champion now. He went back-to-back on this, so I think, uh, you know, Good job, Rick, on that and, and uh, fending off the fans. Obviously, they were uh, some pretty exciting, pr- pr- pretty sweet uh, grand prize, if you will, on the line there. So I know uh, that, that would have been uh, pretty tasty. Always next year. Rick, great job. Adam, let's just now circle back. I mean, I guess, right, we said non-conference play in the books. Uh, we are recording this on January 2nd, Wednesday, the eve of Colorado opening op- opening Pac-12 play. Adam, here we are sitting at nine and four. Yeah. You know, I think the last time we spoke, right, the last time we recorded was the Alabama game. Right. Uh, and I think, you know, that Alabama game, you know, we talked about it. You know, they got in a big hole. They fought back. There were some encouraging signs there. Ended up losing by three. Not ideal. Obviously, if you can win, that, that, that would be fantastic. Didn't happen moving forward. We thought, all right, well, now we'll wrap up conference play, or excuse me, non-conference play with three home games. Shouldn't be a big deal. You know, Baylor, we know that they are part of the power five. Uh, Then, of course, Montana, UC Davis. Uh, Is it possible? I mean, now I know that there was a week in between that Alabama and Baylor game. Uh, I mean, is is rebounding the the, the whole story of this game? I mean, Baylor ended up with 50 rebounds. They actually had more rebounds than we had points in that game. The final score here. Baylor 58, Arizona 49. It was really an offensive mess, it looked like at times. Adam, what all did you see in that Baylor game? Oh, God, nothing good. 
You know, and this was the type of game where, yeah, it was the last really tough team left on the schedule. I say really tough in that the Power Five school, right? And it's like, okay, yep. Arizona still should have beat Baylor. At least that's what we thought because even heading into that game, coming off the Alabama loss, that was understandable a little bit. The early start time on the road, a little bit of a tough environment, got off that horrible start. But at that point, before the Baylor game, you're like, okay, Arizona's not quite the record you're hoping for, but hey, it's not too bad. You know, they do have a nice win on the road against UConn, did beat Iowa State. That's going to be a good win. And we all saw what happened against Gonzaga and Auburn. They were competitive for 20 minutes, 30 minutes in those games. You're like, okay, Arizona's not great, but they're not a really bad basketball team. And then that Baylor game was uh, about as bad as we've seen them play in a long, long time. And Obviously, rebounding is the story in that game, but also when you shoot 36% from the field, that's not helpful either. So Arizona in this game, like I guess the defense was fine, but other than that, like yeah, you score 49 points at home, you see your home win streak against non-conference opponents come to an end against a team in Baylor that they're okay, and I guess now we're all rooting for Baylor to be good, but they're not that good. And if anything, this game showed if there were some cracks in Arizona from the Alabama game that we remember and you know, some of the other games where they didn't dominate UConn and all that, then it's like this was the game where all just kind of fell apart on them. And you know, any good vibes, any good feelings people might have had even coming after the Alabama game, they were all just gone by the Baylor loss. That was a crushing loss. That was brutal and you know it's, it's kind of funny too because there, there there were times in the first half where you know Baylor looked to be super dominant right and then if I recall correctly we went a little bit of a run pulled away at halftime yeah. the halftime score 23-20 Arizona it's like okay th- this feels this feels about right you know things are starting but even then at halftime it still just felt like man we can't get a board to save our lives uh, Chase Jeter was in foul trouble I know you know he ended up you know with 26 minutes uh, but you know it felt like he, he was in foul trouble it felt like for most of that game he did not foul out but of course he finished with the four uh adam i mean it was just those second chance points like it wasn't yeah. even you know like 36 percent didn't help and you can't rebound there but offensively baylor just kept getting so many second chance points they had 18 offensive rebounds to our combined offensive and defensive rebounds 19 i mean that that, that that's just remarkable and it, it, it was almost to the point where, where it was laughable right i yeah. mean it was like how are you kidding me how are they continuously like there, there were possessions where they had like four shots and you know, three offensive rebounds there. It was just wild. Uh, you know, if, 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 if you look at the box score and the way everything else kind of, kind of played out, right. It wasn't, you know, we shot 36%, but Baylor shot 44. You know, it's like, that's not that much better. Uh, three pointers, you know, n- nine of 28 for Arizona, four of 19 for Baylor. Uh, to me, it's felt like too, like, like, we really struggled against the zone in this one. Oh, and this yeah. was where, you know, and, and I just, oh, I sound like a broken record every time this time of the year comes around, uh, you know, it's just, oh, we just struggle against the zone. We struggle against the zone. We had a very difficult time breaking the zone. Now there, there were times earlier in the year where, where we had seen the zone, Justin Coleman was very efficient. He was very effective getting into the paint, right? You know, driving a little bit, collapsing that zone. Uh, maybe being able to dish it out, draw a couple fouls. You know, Brandon Williams at times too. You know, in this case here, Arizona finishes with only six free throw attempts. Exactly. Uh, just, just, just a, a clear indication. Twenty-eight threes. I mean, just a clear indication that nothing was working. Driving into the lane. You know, collapsing the zone, uh, drawing fouls, just everything. If you're not going to collapse the defense and, and, you know, being able to drive to the basket in those type of situations, you have to be able to knock down the threes. And, you know, nine of 28 isn't horrible. Um, but if you shoot that many, I mean, I, I certainly expect at least a few more. Yeah, well, that's an easy way to break a zone. You make threes. And that's the thing, like zone defenses, you're going to get open looks from a three and you're supposed to be able to get offensive rebound chances. And this was one of those really soft games. This is not a short Arizona team. You know, mm-hmm. we've, we've seen bigger Wildcat rosters, but this team, I guess, with Jeter in foul trouble, they're a little bit smaller, but there's no reason why they should get abused that badly on the board. There's no reason why Arizona with Coleman and Brandon Williams and Randolph should get six free throw attempts in a game unless they're just playing passive. And I know everyone likes to call it Sean Miller. Oh, they can't coach against his own. He has no idea what he's doing against his own. Well, there are games where they look terrible against his own, but you don't think they practice against this? You don't think right. that Arizona has seen enough zone that Sean Miller knows how to do this? It's up to the players to execute. And, you know, we had talked about the zone troubles they had. Well, last year, Arizona's offense was great. And, you know, is that because they learned how to figure out the zone last year but couldn't this year? I, you know, I don't buy that. But certainly the zone gives a team like Arizona trouble when they're not making shots. And like you said, 9 for 28 from a 3, that's not good enough, especially when a lot of those are open. 
So, I mean, even then, Arizona had 10 turnovers, Baylor had 20, and they still just outclassed the Wildcats in this game. It was it was one of the most sad games I've watched in that it really looked like, and there have been games where Arizona plays. I remember they played Oregon a couple years ago, and it seemed like the Ducks made 35 threes in that game, or yeah. Buffalo in the tournament, or you know, Wisconsin. You're like, there's just nothing Arizona can do. But this was a game where you watch them, you're like, this is just sad. Yeah. You know, they're just getting dominated by a very average to mediocre basketball team, just getting pushed around on their home floor. And it's like, there are games where another team is playing great, and you say, well, there's nothing you can do about that. You know, you just tip your cap and say congratulations. That wasn't this game. This wasn't Baylor playing great. This was just Arizona playing so ungodly bad where they lost a game that really they were still in towards the end, but every time they needed a rebound, they couldn't get one. I guess we saw that against Alabama, too, a little bit down the stretch in that game, but... Now, like of all the games, of all the losses I've seen from Arizona, I mean, I guess you want to say there's some that meant more. They were in, obviously tournament games mean more, but this game was just so sad to watch them. It it did not look like an Arizona basketball team. It looked like a shell of even the worst teams we've seen from the Wildcats recently. It was pretty brutal, and honestly, too, it, it just felt like that this was coming. I, I didn't necessarily think to Baylor. I mean, you know, even getting into conference play, and, and we can go ahead and discuss uh, like the the Pac-12 landscape as a whole uh, in, in a few minutes or so. But you know, it, it definitely felt like after that Utah Valley game that you know if, if you're gonna come out pretty sluggish and really struggle in the first half, um, and and you know, you, you can't you can't necessarily just accept it or, or expect to flip a switch, right? No. And then all of a sudden it's fine, right? That works against Utah Valley. We touched on it there. Uh, Utah Valley is not a Power Five program, obviously. Uh, it's not going to work again. You know, during conference play, you know, I, I would say you know, probably not even against Cal. I mean, I know Cal is pretty bad. They're struggling and everything too, but you still have to consider the level of talent on that roster, right? In this case here, Baylor, we knew going in they were five and three. Nothing too impressive, but again, that just just that 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 level of talent that is on that roster, you can't just flip the switch on and off when you want. And, you and unfortunately, have to need to. Yeah, they're not. Yeah, it, Baylor a more talented team than Arizona. Do we really believe uh, that? I mean, no, I, uh, I, guess, I I guess what, what to me was so frustrating with that game was we clearly had the size. And then even when Chase Year was in foul trouble, you know, Ryan Luther came in and was basically non-existent, right? I, th- I think he racked up, let me get back to this, I think it was like 19 minutes. He had no points and he had four fouls. You know, I think, I think like it just got to the point where I think that perhaps their bigs were more talented, but it felt like our wings and, and our guard play is superior to them. Like, I, I don't think that's, I, I don't even think that's right. a question, I mean, since but, they, but how does it balance? I mean, since they beat Arizona, they did beat Oregon, but Oregon also been without bowl bowl. They haven't looked great. You know, other than that, South Dakota, they beat, and uh, these like these other initials that I don't recognize for teams. They yeah. lost to Texas Southern. You know, this was not a great Baylor team and it shouldn't have mattered. Like it's, we can analyze this game all we want. And, what I think what it comes down to is, I mean, it's obvious. The Arizona couldn't rebound. The Arizona couldn't make a shot. And those are two easy ways to lose a basketball game to no matter who you play. And I think what was disappointing for us is that, again, after the UConn game, I think we all felt pretty good about the Wildcats. Like, hey, they went on the road and beat UConn. They're not a great team, but that's a tough win to get, and they did it. And they come back, and okay, the Alabama game, like, well, it's on the road. It's early. It was a big hole that they dug themselves into and then almost pulled out of it. And you're like, oh, it's still a road game, so it's acceptable. You know, it, it's fine. This, you finish up packed or non-conference play with a few more wins and you're where you need to be with three losses heading into conference time. And hey, that's, that's okay. It is to lose to Baylor, which was the last decent team on the schedule. You know, they're better yeah. than Montana, they're better than UC Davis. To lose to Baylor at home in a game where they just looked pathetic, Arizona. And I mean, I don't want to use that word light. Like they just looked bad, really, really bad. They didn't look like they belonged on that court. And, you know, maybe it's just a terrible game for them. And hopefully it's the worst they can play. That's what happens. But to see that from an Arizona team was really disconcerting because we knew this team wasn't the most talented, but we thought they played hard and they had some good guard play. They can make some shots. And for the most part, their defense has still been pretty good, but just they could do nothing right in that game on the offensive side of the floor. And that included the rebounding and really defensive rebounding. That's part of defense and they weren't doing that well either. So, you know, I think it's one of those where, it's tough when you see an Arizona team that can't do anything. It's one thing when the other team is going off on you. It's, you know, when they're making threes and Sam Decker's raining threes on you with the guys yeah. in his face, there's nothing you can do. In this case, was Arizona just that much worse than Baylor? And if the answer is yes, then the question is either why or 
And it's just really concerning because if Arizona's that much worse than Baylor, that says a lot of bad things for the rest of this season. It does just feel like it, 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 it was an off night. I mean, I don't think there's any other way to chalk it up. You know, again, defensively, that's a very valid point. I think, you know, a part of defense is rebounding, right? I get that. Uh, but I mean, even that aside, like you weren't rebounding well on either side of the court, right? right. But still to hold them to 58 points is, I think, I, I think that's probably the only positive takeaway from this game. Uh, you know, obviously you were in position at halftime, right? You were up 23-20. Defense was going well. You held them 20 points. You had the lead. Uh, I think if, if you really start picking it apart from there, too, was you know, Brandon Randolph was the only one I felt like that was being aggressive. Justin Coleman and Brandon Williams, they combined for 3 of 15 from the field. Yeah. Two, 2 of 11 from three-pointers. I mean, that that's not a recipe for anything good. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, we can sit here and continue to kick the dead horse, but, uh, you know, I think, you know, obviously you have to play better. Right. And I think that that's something that hopefully, you know, here we are now a couple weeks removed from that Baylor game. You know, I, I think just the pressure too of, well, I guess they only had two more games against much inferior, much inferior teams, but you know, I was going to say the the pressure of that, that home court, uh, or the home winning streak, non-conference play, whatever, obviously that's removed. Uh, they went on to take care of business against Montana, you know, coming off that loss to Baylor, there was plenty to, uh, plenty to work on. It felt like, right. Mm-hmm. Um, they ended up winning this game 61, 42, wasn't the prettiest thing. I guess all I can say is I hope you took the under on this one. I think Vegas <laughs> had it like 141. They combined for 103 points. Uh, wasn't the sexiest game you'll see. Arizona did have 39 points in the second half. Uh, th- this was a game, Adam, where Chase Jeter had a very strong game mm-hmm. uh, after coming off a, a Baylor performance where you know he, he found himself in foul trouble, committing four fouls. Uh, this one, he had no fouls, right? He, he, he responded after that one, after the Baylor loss, uh, with a 21-6 and six night, 9 of 15 from the field. My biggest concern, and, and Adam, I'm, I'm going to kick this to you here. You know, Chase Jeter, we, we've seen, I think, a large enough sample size of him now. You know, what, what are we, that, that's 13 games, 9 and 4, 13 games at this point. He has his moments. Uh, I, I think fundamentally he's very sound. It's, it's, it's awesome to see, right? He's just a very smart player. You can see that high IQ. Great. Uh, good footwork i think too right like he, he he's pretty finesse down low i mean I, I think like he's pretty smooth good footwork i think he really struggles though when he goes up against more athletic bigs and, yeah and i think that that's going to be an issue going forward how concerned should i be about that well very especially since he's arizona's only reliable big and that's no fault of his own like he is what he is and he's a very good player he's one of the best players on this team, but that says a lot about this team more than it does about Chase Jeter, I think. And, you know, he's, he's one of the few guys on this team who I think is doing everything that you would expect him, if not surpassing, exceeding the expectations of him. But yeah, I mean, if he's your second best big or even your third best big, if he's on last year's team playing, then you're looking at him a lot differently. He's coming off the bench or, you know, if Doosan or Aiden were in foul trouble, he comes in and you're like, wow, that's a really solid guy to have on that team. But, and he's worthy of starting for Arizona, sure. but he mm-hmm. can't be your only true big or the only guy who's consistent. You know, he's, he's neither Batman nor Robin. I don't think he's Alfred at most with this <laughs> team. Like they need two other guys to be the main people. And he's, you know, there are games where he plays Montana who he has a size advantage over and he's going to look great. He's going to do what he did against them. But absolutely. When he plays against legitimate other bigs, it's not that he's not trying. He plays hard, but he doesn't necessarily have the athleticism or the size or the strength to really go toe-to-toe. And we're used to seeing guys like Dusan, uh, Aiton, Caleb Trzewski, really big, strong guys down there. Jeter is good, but he's not those players. So, yeah, absolutely, that's something to be concerned with because that's just who he is. He's not a young, he's, and he's not a freshman who's going to get better as the season goes on. He's going to improve, but he's not going to get taller. He's not really going to get any stronger or more athletic. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think, I think all of that's very fair. And I think the biggest thing too, is, is, you know, what you're getting with him too. Right. So I think that that makes it easier to handle. Right. Uh, if, if for, for a comparison, like an Ira Lee, 
Ira Lee has his moments. He looks good sometimes. He looks just like, why are you even on the court right now? Bad sometimes. You know, like I, I think that 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 variability of, of what you're gonna get from Ira Lee is nowhere close to Chase Jeter. I mean, what you see is what you get. You you know he's gonna he he's, he's going he's solid, right? He's solid. We know sometimes he's a bit awkward. Uh, from an athletic standpoint, uh, which so I guess then really in answer to my question, you know, it's not that surprising, I guess, uh, that, uh, you know, that he struggles against more athletic bigs um, to be expected. But I think you're exactly right, Adam. I think that 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 uh, that is going to be a big issue moving forward. Now, the question becomes and again, we're going to talk more about the Pac-12 landscape shortly, but uh, the question becomes, you know, looking ahead. Where could he really struggle, though? Right? I know, obviously, a bull bull situation. If he gets healthy, comes back, I can tell you right now, like that, that's going to be an issue. But beyond that, I mean, the Pac-12 is just so down right now that it just seems like a perfect year for him to shine. Yeah, it does. And but really, I look at it and just say more. It's about the other guys having to step up alongside him. You know, if Brandon Williams does what we expected, Brandon Williams, then Chase Jeter's job is a lot easier. If Justin Coleman, Brandon Randolph, these guys get going on a consistent basis, because yeah, you mentioned Ira Lee, he's more athletic but you don't know what you're going to get from him you can't count on him you can you know what you're going to get from chase jeter and that's invaluable that is so yep. important to have a guy who you know especially a big who you can count on to do what you expect night in and night out game in and game out but he's not the dominant go-to guy so he's going to need the guys like brandon williams and coleman and randolph um acott too if he plays a little bit better to make life easier for him and if that's the case i mean there's not a lot of situations there's not a lot of great bigs in college basketball let alone the pac-12 so jeter shouldn't he's a if Arizona doesn't do as well as we wanted to, and if Arizona kind of continues on the path they've been on right now, where win a couple, lose one, win a couple, lose one, probably not make the NCAA tournament. But if that's the case, it's not because of Chase Jeter. You know, mm-hmm. we're going to have to point to anything else, anybody else. It's not going to be because Chase Jeter didn't do what he was supposed to do or what he was expected to do. The problem is going to be even what he's expected to do isn't enough. Because he's not DeAndre Ayn. He's not the guy who's going to carry them. He's not going to have that advantage over every single team he faces. But, yeah, when there's a shorter opponent or if Arizona can get some other bigs in foul trouble, then I think Jeter will be fine because he is a fundamentally sound. He plays hard. He is skilled. He is talented. He's a good big, but he's just not a dominant big, which means when he does face someone who's a lottery-type pick, he's probably going to struggle unless he gets some help from his teammates. It should also be noted that Brandon Williams came off the bench in this one. He only logged 23 minutes. Uh, Adam, I, I believe what he banged knees with the defender in the Baylor game, and that was a little sore. He wasn't ready to go by Thursday. Was that right? I think it was with Justin Coleman in practice. Oh, Justin Coleman in practice. Okay, so even more recent than Baylor then in that case. Uh, yeah, so he, he came off the bench in that in that situation, which, you know, you would think ideally, okay, you know, kind of getting back to that. Why don't we bring Ryan Luther off the bench and then put in Emmanuel Acott so at least there's a little bit more firepower coming off the bench. Uh, that net, that didn't do much in this game. Brandon Williams finished, uh, like I said, 23 minutes, one of seven from the field. The lone field goal was a three-pointer. He did snag three rebounds, excuse me, five rebounds and three assists. You know, I guess we can chalk it up maybe just to him being a little sore. Was not a hundred percent there? I, I wish it was that simple for the, for, for the shooting percentage there, one of seven, but uh, Adam, I, I, I think we're to the point now, you know, again, 13 games in where um, I'm really starting to get pretty concerned about his ability to score. Now I know he, he's plenty athletic. We know he offers a lot more than scoring. He does a lot of things that don't show up in the stat sheet. I get that. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, the name of the game is you have to score, right? And we know that he can get to the bucket. I uh, can't really finish his three point percentage is not anywhere close to where I would want it to be. Right. right. Uh, how concerned are you about his shooting after 13 games? I mean, we, he's the type, like, we know he's a scorer. That's what he was in high school. We know how good he is, how athletic he is. So you kind of think that it's going to turn around from at some point. Just the question is, will it be this season? And by the time it does, will it be too late? And maybe it wasn't fair to put as much on him as Arizona needed to. You know, he was supposed to come in as much more of a, much ballyhooed recruiting class, right? He's He was supposed to be one of the shining stars, but not necessarily the only star of the recruiting class. But instead, Arizona needs him to be more than he has been. And, you know, his assisted turnover ratio is great. He's playing good defense. His effort's clearly there. He shoots free throws at a pretty good clip. But absolutely, if he's not shooting the ball better from three and even just getting to the bucket and finishing, that's a problem. 
18 of 67 from the field from, from, from beyond the arc, 18 of 67. That's good for a 27% chance, uh, percentage, excuse me. Uh, you know, I guess when, 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 when you see somebody, uh, if somebody said, you know, I he shoots 27% from the field, you think, or excuse me, from three, you probably think like, Oh, we well, doesn't shoot that many, right? Like that can't be that many. He's shot 67. I mean, you know, like a good chunk of his, of his three pointers are, I mean, what, his field goal total attempts, 128 on the season, 67 have been three-pointers. I mean, that's nearly half. I mean, that that's quite a bit. I mean, he relies on the three-ball, and frankly, he's just not that effective from back there. Alex so. Barcelo is shooting threes at a better percentage. He's at 36%. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I don't I know guess. how bad Barcelo has been. And different roles, obviously, different sample sizes, but no one trusts Barcelo shooting threes, and he's shooting 10% better than Brandon Williams. Mm, yeah, it's, it has not been pretty. So, um, you know, I guess, Adam, let's just continue with this whole thing, uh, too, right? I mean, Brandon Randolph had played 27 minutes, 15 points. It's what you expect, right? Uh, he wasn't lighting up from three. He actually only took one three-point attempt in this Montana game. Uh, ended up finishing five of nine from the field. Shot six free throws, though. So he was five of six from from the charity stripe. We'll take that any day, right? I mean, it does feel like at this point the only constants that we have, and even constant, can be somewhat of, a, of, a, of an erratic thing for Brandon Randolph. But it, it seems like Chase Jeter and Brandon Randolph, right? I guess less the Baylor game, or I guess maybe less a uh, very athletic front court. Uh, Chase Jeter and Brandon Randolph seem to be really the only stable things for Arizona basketball at this point, you know, even Justin Coleman who kicked in 29 minutes, he's not a major scorer though. You know, obviously in Maui, we saw some big time buckets from him, clutch, clutch time buckets. That's fine. Um, but he, he's kind of like Brandon Williams. I feel like in, in, in the sense of like, you know, he does a lot of things that don't necessarily blow you away on the stat sheet or may not even appear there. But I, I guess you just kind of think like, you get back to like, well, dude, we got a score to win. I mean, you know, defensively, Brandon, Brandon Williams and Justin Coleman are fantastic. I mean, they really oh, are fine. Plenty fine. They're great. But I guess you, you got to score. And if Chase Jeter and Brandon Randolph are really the only reliable pieces at this point, man, I don't even really trust Ryan Luther. I mean, I, I don't know what's going on. He, he looked so good those first few games and he has just really fallen off. I really don't know what to make of. I mean, Emmanuel Acott, I mean, you can't really, we know he's not an offensive specialist. You know, he's long and he's a three and D sometimes the three ball drops, but we know like, you know, he's a defensive player. Um, Dylan Smith, that's probably the, the more ideal three and D guy. And I don't trust him at all. So Adam, I don't know. Uh, you know, obviously we took care of business here at 61 42 against Montana. You know, let's quickly talk about the UC Davis game. You know, the first half was good. The first half was good. Uh, I so I'm, I'm full, full disclosure here for all the listeners. I I did not watch this game. The final score was seventy sixty eight Arizona in the first half. Arizona had an eleven point lead at halftime. Uh, you know, from there they, they were outscored by nine, making it much more of a nail biter to the three and seven UC Davis Aggies than anybody would have ever dreamed. You know, I Frank, I I did a day trip up to Flagstaff that day, and uh, you know I knew the game. I th- or I think the game tipped off at like 5 p.m. or something that was also the same night as the asu kansas game and i remember when i got home around 7 30 or so i got a text from one of my asu buddies and he said uh you know like watching the game question mark and i was thinking like no like you don't tell me that we lost to uc davis and i i just i happened to pull up my phone i saw the final score and i was thinking Good Lord. Did we just dodge a major bullet there? Like I, that Adam, it didn't happen, but let's just quickly talk about this because I think Arizona this year, like the margin of error, even moving forward is so slim that I, you really just can't slip up. But would this UC Davis game have had done it for us in terms of like an at large bid? I mean, cause there's nothing I, in the pack if, <laughs> that just knocked it out. If the Baylor game didn't, then yeah. <laughs> like if anyone was even trying to excuse the Baylor game or rationalize that loss, you know, which I don't know of anyone who was, but if you're trying to say, Oh, well, I mean, they're a lengthy team, you know, they, they've played some, I, mean, I don't know how you would have done it, but even if you wanted to, there was no excusing this UC Davis game, you know, <sighs> they're, they're bad. And Arizona for the first half of that game did what they were for the most part, what they were supposed to do. Like you'd wish you wouldn't give up the 30 points, but it was all easy for the Wildcats. And then, 
I don't know what it was that changed in the second half, but they were severely outplayed for basically all 20 minutes of that second half. And if not for a Justin Coleman three with a minute left, Arizona probably loses this game. And I mean, just to wit, UC Davis had the final shot of the game. They missed a three at the buzzer. That's how close it was for Arizona to lose this game at home to UC Davis. And Uh, I've thought since the Baylor game, Arizona was probably not going to get an at-large bid minus, you know, an incredible run in the Pac-12, which, you know, maybe only losing three games or something. But just to watch this game, it's like, oh, God, like even for anyone who had low expectations or low opinion about the Wildcats after the Baylor game, this UC Davis game was an entirely new low. Even in the win, it's still just like you left it going, ugh. Like, I, like, no one felt, I don't think anyone feels particularly good about Arizona basketball right now. The only hope is that the Pac 12 stinks. But if yeah. you're looking at Arizona, like the beginning of the season, we all thought, okay, they're playing tough. Even the good teams, they're playing tough. Arizona's talented, just not great. And the way they finished Pac, or the way they finished non conference play, rather, they looked worse. Like they got worse over the non-conference schedule. And I don't know how it happened. I don't know why it happened, but it almost culminated with probably would have been one of the worst losses in Arizona basketball history to UC Davis. So I, yeah, I mean, they survived, but that's not the type of game that you survive. That's the type of game that you dominate win by 25 to give yourself something to feel good about. At least, even though, you know, Hey, it's UC Davis. They're not good, but you make them look not good. And instead they looked like world beaters for 20 minutes of that game. So I don't know that we should spend too much more time on this. I mean, I know I, I don't even know really what you take away from this. Right. I mean, I, I think that the nothing most important good. thing, nothing good. I, I, I think the most important thing is to remember that, that they won. Right. I mean, I know it was much closer than it needed to be. Um, but if there is something else, maybe to feel OK about uh, the the bench kicked in 21 points. I mean, you know, I, I guess it kind of gets back to right. Like chase Jeter and Brandon Randolph, uh, chase Jeter had 16 points. Randolph had 15, right? So that kind of, it kind of just goes back to the, all right, chase Jeter and Brandon Randolph are really what's going to make this, this offensive wagon move, right? I mean, I think that at this point there's, there's really nothing else to think there. Uh, Brandon Williams did have nine points, four of 10 from the field, right? I mean, that's just kind of it's par for really where he's shooting for the year. Basically. I mean, he's a tick under that on the season, uh, under that 40% mark, but I mean, still kind of where you think it's going to be a you know, five points, Justin Coleman, four points. I, I really, I think in this situation, you know, he, he really did a sell. Now, again, I, I didn't watch, so this is purely off of, of just the box score here, but to, for him to kick in eight points in 12 minutes and, and not turn the ball over once and only commit two fouls, I guess, you know, that that's pretty good. I think for him, a career uh, game. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, if, but he did a lot of it early looked, too. In that first half where Arizona was looking really, really good. Mm, see, so that's where it's, you just try to build that lead a little bit. And then down the stretch, I mean, I don't even, I mean, I guess I, I don't know, Adam, I, I'm, I'm kind of just reaching for something here. I, mean, I, I can't watched find the anything game. good. I yeah, watched the I, game and I don't really understand what happened. Just Arizona. Again, they were playing pretty well, or at least, you know, they're playing good enough in the first half to say, okay, they're, they're going to run away with this game. Cause UC Davis is just that bad. And I know TJ like shorts. He came out in the second half. Arizona couldn't stop him and Arizona couldn't make shots. And like, it was just, I, it's hard. I, I can only imagine what Sean Miller was thinking watching that because it made no sense. Because UC Davis isn't a good basketball team. There's no way they should have gone into McHale Center and been competitive. And for the first 20 minutes, they were barely competitive. And for the final 20 minutes, they were the better team. And it wasn't even close. So, yeah, we can say the bench did well. But, like, really? <laughs> like, that's, a, yeah. that's what we're pointing to in this game. Justin Coleman was one of four. He, his one shot was his one shot that he made was the biggest one of the game. But, like, these are things where, like, I would expect more from Coleman. I would expect him to be that senior, comes out, just make sure when, like, he was in Maui. They needed a like bucket, he State, got it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's what they needed from him. And right now, Arizona doesn't seem to have that guy who can quell a run, who can kind of right this ship. And again, the last couple of years, you had Alonzo Trier. You had DeAndre Ayton last year. And there's been various guys over the course of the seasons that when Arizona needed a bucket, they could turn them. They didn't always get it, but they knew who was going to take the shot. They knew they were going to get a good look. And more often than not, the guy came through. And I don't know who that guy is for this team right now. And I think that's what we're seeing. Even a game like UC Davis, where was Brandon Randolph just to take charge? hit a couple of threes, get to the bucket, get an end one. Where was Coleman? Where was Brandon Williams to do that? And as good as Chase Dieter has been playing, he was in foul trouble for some of this game. And he's not the first banana. So in a game like this where all it takes is one guy with some level of NBA talent, because you see Davis isn't filled with lottery picks or anything, to say, you know, right. I'm going to take over this game. They didn't have that. 
you know, for all the grief Alonzo Trier got from people, they, this Arizona team could use a guy like him right now who just goes out there and says, okay, we're not scoring. Give me the ball. I'll do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess, again, so let, let's just move on from here, right? I mean, that that win, nonetheless, it was a win, right? They they did escape. can't believe you're saying that. In Tucson, escaped against UC Davis 70-68 to wrap up non-conference play. So, Adam, you know, going into this last three-game stretch, you know, I know the last time we spoke, again, it was coming off the Alabama loss. We figured they'd take care of business. They'd be sitting at 10-3. and three. You know, obviously, the Baylor game, that loss really stung just because, you know, as we touched on the rebound, was just such a nightmare this uc davis game that second half collapse and just it probably what just just a mental collapse really um two of the last three games of non-conference play and of course both of these instances happened in tucson sitting at nine and four how do you feel moving into conference play <laughs> if you had asked me this question a couple of weeks ago i'd give you a different answer but right now not that this is a tournament team you know i feel i, I feel like okay, arizona hopefully they're they play better and improve. I'm, but I'm more concerned with the growth than I am even the results at this point. I want to see Brandon Williams play well. I'd like to see ACOT take a step forward. You know, that's kind of what I'm watching. And I hate to have that perspective heading into the Pac-12 play. But to me, I think the Baylor loss was the one that doomed them. But even then, from there, seeing how they played against UC Davis not really inspiring to say, you know what, the Baylor loss was kind of the – that was the anomaly. Well, from the U of A team we've seen over the last – I don't know, three weeks or so, they haven't looked that good. You know, again, the first couple weeks of the season, they looked pretty good. In the last few weeks, they haven't looked very good. So, no, my expectations might, are not really that high right now. My concern is pretty high, but I'm just going to watch to see the growth. Do they get better over the course of the season? Because even at 9-4 and four, with this Pac-12, I have a hard time seeing Arizona being good enough to win enough games to get a tournament bid. What do you think that they're going to finish? If, if you have to guess right now, what, what do you think after 18 games? And, of course, you know they, they can pad the stats a little bit, pad that resume a little bit with the Pac-12 tournament. But where do you think after 18 games, the regular season conference play, where, where will they be sitting? So I, I could see somewhere with like a 10 and 8, you know, maybe 11 and 7 conference play, maybe 12 and 6 at best. You know, like it's just, it's just hard because I know the Pac-12 isn't very good, but we don't know where Arizona fits into the Pac-12 not being very good. Like I, I think right. Oregon is more talented than Arizona. They're better. They'll get going. Like yeah. you have to think they'll get going. ASU, I don't think they're great, but they look like they could at least split with Arizona this season. Mm-hmm. You know, Washington's always tough for the Wildcats. It's just I don't know which are the gimme games for Arizona right now because I have a hard time looking at Arizona and saying they're good enough to have gimme games. And you know, they may surprise me once conference play starts. Like it isn't. A, it's not an untalented roster. But just the last few weeks have been so uninspiring ever since the UConn win, where it's hard for me to say that's a game Arizona wins. And I know there are teams that they're better than. They're not the worst team in the conference. not even close. Cal's terrible. Utah hasn't been good. Washington State hasn't been that great. But just Arizona right now is kind of in the middle of this very mediocre conference, which means, yeah, they might be better than the teams below them, but I don't know. You know, what have we seen over the last few weeks that makes us confident that Arizona is better than UCLA, better than USC, better than Oregon State or Washington? Like, I haven't, I haven't watched a lot of those teams, but I've watched plenty of Arizona to see that they have some serious flaws that if they're not corrected going into this weekend or by the time the games really, really get going, Arizona's going to struggle. They might finish round 500. I could see 9-9, nine and nine, you know, or I mean, plus or minus two games, two or three games from there. That's exactly what I'm thinking, right? I, I, if, if I had to guess, I, I think nine and nine, honestly, and ten and eight uh, are very real possibilities here, just because it is a very average team, right? And, and I know that the conference is really at this point made up with a lot of average teams as well. Uh, so I mean, you, you got to figure out if one average team plays another average team eighteen times. What I mean, what's probably going to happen, right? If these are all fifty-fifty games, which of course they won't be, but right. you know, in general, if they're fifty-fifty games, well, you would expect about around a 500 record right like i just don't see uh at this point I, I i can't feel comfortable enough to say that that they're going to be able to do better than that i mean of course i, I really hope so but yeah. sitting at nine and four and just what we saw these last three games there's just really not much to feel good about i mean really even from that alabama game i mean you, you could actually even go back to the utah valley game i mean even though the utah valley game yes they won 80 69 but really the last five games there have been some major red flags uh, i guess aside from the montana game but you know, so for the last five games there has just been to your point with the growth like it just doesn't really seem like 
they're growing much at this point. Right. So, um, you know, I, I definitely think 10 and eight, nine and nine. I mean, those are realistic. You know, it's funny. It's funny because you, you, you mentioned the ASU thing and, and I know Bryant, <laughs> I, I know, I know Bryant, Bryant, Bryant really likes ASU right now. And, and that's fine. I mean, obviously what they did against Kansas, uh, granted at home, I mean, that, that's a very, that, that that's a solid win, right? I mean, very that's good win. very good win. I mean, there's no taking away from that. That's fine. Um, but if, if you watch ASU, I mean, they're still not that great. I mean, no. I, I think they, they seriously lack point guard play and that will bite them at some point. Um, you know, so they're, they're, they're going to stumble too. I don't think that they're by no means untouchable. Right. So I think, you know, Oregon will get it going. Uh, Dana always gets that team going. That's fine. USC's got the talent a little bit. I mean, I know they're struggling right now too. You know, UCLA, this might be shot, but the talent's there too. Um, you know, Colorado, who will you know, jump to preview here momentarily. Um, you know, there, there, there are teams like Utah too. I mean, there are teams always that somewhat catch stride. And then there's also some road trips too, that, that could be tough. Right. So like, if you look this weekend, right, we, we got Colorado, then Utah on Saturday. We got to go up to Utah and Colorado, and that is a very brutal road trip mm-hmm. just with the elevation and everything, you know, the good fans, you know, just just the rock and arena, all that stuff. Um, you know, I, I could see a situation where, you know, we get swept you know, in, in that yeah. situation. Right. You know, and so basically then if you play those teams for a total of four games, I could definitely see a, I could see a split there. And now you just kind of, as you start going down the line, you see more and more splits and it's like, man, I just, I really don't know what to think of any of this. So yeah, exactly. Uh, well, like look at him. I know Ken Palm isn't the end all of things, but you know, it's the, pretty good. Though. The highest ranked pac 12 team right now is Oregon at 38th, you know, ASU's 51 Arizona's right behind at 54 and then followed by Washington at 55. Like, there's a lot of average, and again, I think we agree that Oregon's probably the best team in the conference, and they will. Yeah, be they by are. The time it's all said and done, like someone's going to win the conference. But say Arizona wins, what's the best case scenario? Twelve games? Do we think twelve and six? I I really do. Th- uh, you could maybe talk. No. Oh, I mean, what we've seen, and that's the thing. We're, yeah. we're trying to like the nine and four Wildcats. Part of those nine wins, like they've looked really good, and the four mm-hmm. losses, obviously, they haven't. So it's kind of like we don't know which Wildcats' team is going to be. They've been a little bipolar in that regard, but no, like it's it's hard to expect anything better than five hundred right now, based right, on what we've right. seen for the entire body of work. But there are this. It sounds doom and gloom, and I know that's probably rare to hear from me from a lot for a lot of people. <laughs> but no, I mean this isn't a bad. I don't think this is a bad basketball team. But for the last couple of weeks, they certainly looked like one. And if that's who they are. If they are a bad basketball team, or at least maybe an average at best basketball team, then nine and nine is going to be the best we can hope for. But even yeah. if it's twelve and six, like okay, does twenty-one wins get Arizona into the tournament? No, not with this Pac-12. Mm-hmm. Because if Arizona goes twelve and six in this conference, chances are the conference is about as bad as everyone thinks it is. Yeah, you know. And as much as we all probably liked watching ASU lose to Princeton, I'm not going to lie, I chuckled at that game. That I hurt the it. conference. Like that hurt teams like Arizona. That hurt Oregon. That hurt everybody who's hoping for an at-large bid because the Pac-12 needs some. There's no one ranked in the top 25 in the Pac-12 right now. Yeah. You know, like they just finished. I saw the article. I didn't read it. I mean to, but how it's like the worst from a Power Five conference in like the last 20 years or 25 years, worst right. non-conference. Like that is bad, and that just that has a ripple effect. You know, maybe if Arizona gets to 21, 22, 23 wins with a Pac-12 tournament run, maybe their brand recognition gets them into the tournament as like a play-in game or something. I don't know. But this Arizona team doesn't look like it's good enough to run away with the conference. And so if they don't win the conference, it's going to be hard to expect them to get an at-large bid. And if they don't win the conference, I don't imagine them going to Vegas and running the table there either. So, you know, they have to they have to show us something. And you know, Sean Miller teams generally get better as the season goes on, but it's hard to see. Okay, like, and it's okay. Arizona, their, their path to being good is they shoot the ball better. That's basically it, right? The guys that we expect to score: Brandon Williams, Brandon Randolph, Coleman. These guys start shooting the three ball better. They start scoring better, and then Arizona is about as good as we thought they might be. But anything short of that, I don't know how this team really improves over the next 18 games. But, you know, I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I hope that there's more to this team than we've seen over the last few weeks. I hope it's more like the team we saw to start the season because that team looked pretty good. That team could compete in the Pac-12. But the one we've seen the last few weeks, not so much. The roadmap's there, right? Obviously, getting back to the question you asked a while ago, right, about, you know, are, are we more talented than Baylor? Uh, the, the talent's there. I mean, obviously, the talent's there. And, and it just also, I think it has to do with 
it's it's probably about three things, right? If Brandon Williams can just at least shoot, I mean, just give me something a little over forty percent. Not not even from three, but you know, maybe maybe just become a little bit more efficient. Maybe pull back from three just a little bit. Uh, find a little bit more efficient shots. You know, closer to the bucket, right? Uh, if, if you can get that scoring up just a tad, right? Right now he's shooting thirty four point four percent from the floor. In twenty nine minutes, he's averaging eleven points. Right, his shot attempts are certainly up there. Right. We already touched on it. He's 128 through 13 games, right? Call it 10 a game. And he is hitting three, approximately three of those a game. We need him to do much better than that. It needs to honestly even be closer to, I would say, if you're shooting 10 a game, I would love to see something closer to even five, you know, right? Yeah. Like there's a couple more buckets a game because as a shooter, you would expect, you know, if you start seeing that ball drop, well, then that starts to build the confidence a little bit. And then you can get back out to the three point range and start, and I don't want to say jacking them up, but you know, you can feel more confident in those shots and the other shot selections. So it's that one, right? You got to also see something from Justin Coleman, you know, like if we can get back to, I, I know he was playing out of his mind against Iowa state and that should not be the benchmark for what we, what, what would we, what we expect moving forward, but there has to be something closer than that. than you know, what we see with these, you know, three points here, four points there thing. You know, I definitely, he needs to also, even if it's not scoring, at least become a better facilitator in the sense of being able to collapse zone defenses because we play Washington twice. Right now, you know what's coming when we play Washington. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's no secret. I mean, these teams know us so well that you play a zone, we're going to struggle and we need somebody to be able to collapse that zone. But of course, then it also, to your point, gets back to being able to shooting three pointers. The other thing, too. There has to be some sort of relief, not even just off the bench in general. There has to be relief for the front court, right? Like I would say like Ryan Luther and Ira Lee, those guys have to be able to contribute. I would say at least like 15 and 10 a night, like not individually, collectively. If they can give us like 15 and 10 consistently, I mean, those three things, I mean, even if you pick two of those three things that I just listed out, this is probably a much better team than what we've seen over the last five, five games. The big problem is, why should any of us expect all that to happen? Not from what we've seen over the last you five know. games. Right. And, and yeah. It doesn't feel realistic. This team, this team can't be like, so these guys were really highly recruited. You know, yep. Ira Lee was a good recruit. Barcelo was a good recruit. Ryan Luther was a pretty good player, you know, before he got here, you know, I know it was a foot injury that he've only played like 12 games or something last year, but he was a good player. ACOT was a five-star guy. You know, Brandon Williams, we know what he can be. Coleman, we've seen him do it. You know, we saw it happen in Maui. He's capable. So, and Randolph, of course, we know how he was recruited, what star rating he had. So, like, it's just like the talent seems to be there. At least it should be there. But for some reason, it hasn't been. And for some of these guys, it's year two for them. And we still haven't seen it. So, you really start to wonder, okay, maybe they're not as good as we hoped they'd be. So, like, the roadmap is there. The path is there. And in part, yeah, the Pac-12 is so bad right now where the opportunity, I think I saw an SI article where someone picked Arizona as a team that could surprise and win their right. conference. It's not because Arizona is great. It's because the Pac-12 is so bad. So, and that's true. But Arizona was part of that. So, like, Pac-12 wasn't great before, like, the last couple of years, but Arizona was clearly good the last couple of seasons. So it didn't matter what happened to the Pac-12. Arizona, their non-conference was great, and they would lose, like, three games in the conference. You're like, okay, yeah, they're fine. This mm-hmm. team can't afford to do that. Even if it, even if it only loses, if, say Arizona goes, what, 13-5? and five? I'm not even sure that's good enough because I imagine that means the Pac-12 is even worse than we thought. So, you know, they're playing from behind right now, Arizona, for trying to get an at-large bid. And, you know, I don't know if they have enough to get through there because that consistency. You were talking, you know, earlier about Chase Jeter. We know what we can expect from him. No one else you could say that about. So on any given game, Arizona could look really good. They could be the team that went to UConn and won that game, be the team that came back to beat Iowa State or the team that, you know, led Gonzaga for 25, 30 minutes. You know, it's, they could be that team because they have been that team. But you can't expect that. And maybe they don't have to be that good to win a lot of these Pac-12 games. They have to be something close to it. Otherwise, you're going to win two games, lose one, win two, lose two. Like, that's going to happen. A couple of trips like that, a couple of splits to start conference play, and Arizona already just played themselves out of an at-large bid. Mm-hmm. You know, and you played yourself into having to win the Pac-12 tournament, so... You know, I remember we did our season preview one. I thought this was a pretty decent team. I was excited to see what they would do because it was talented, but people weren't expecting much of them. And right now, after 13, 13 games, I'm kind of in the, yeah, I mean, that's, I see why they should be better, but I'm not sure why I think they will be better. So hopefully it changes. 
or, or, or even how much better is it realistically to expect, right? Yeah. Like, like aside from, you know, I don't know if they're going to do it based off of the last, like this track record of the last five games. It also is to the point of like, you know, how much, how much more talented are they really? Right. Like we know the brand Randolph, the chase year, you know, I'm, I, I am convinced that Brandon Williams could, can turn around. I mean, I that think wouldn't just, shock me. I mean, he is talented enough to do it, but then if you look at the rest of them, I mean, did we overestimate Ryan Luther? Obviously, I'm not expecting much from Dylan Smith. Emmanuel Acott, we know what we're getting from the him Acott's defensively. played a little better, I think. He seems a little bit more mm-hmm. useful out there, but he's very limited in what he contributes. Alex Marcello, I mean, I guess there's just not much to really uh, realistically feel that, you know, this team should should outperform what, what we've seen. You know, I just yeah. don't. It's just not necessarily there. Uh, I guess also to the point, I mean, no matter what, though, still, you know, Sean Miller's still your coach. He's a heck of a coach, right? I don't think there's any two ways about that. Um, if we if we can say anything about this team, they're solid defensively. So a defensively sound team coached by Sean Miller has got to be good for at least a 500 record. So I think like right there, right, right, right there gets you. I feel like it has to, I mean, barring injury and stuff, it has to at least get you to a 500 record. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, a true home court advantage. I, I think, you know, playing in Tucson, you know, when all the students get back to town and, you know, hopefully they're there tomorrow night, actually, probably not, huh? Because it's only the second or tomorrow will be the third. Whatever it is, you know, the students will roll back into town. That place will get rocking again. You know, that, that's a whole other element when the students are there. Um, you know, I, I, I just, I, I think, I think the floor, no matter what, is nine and nine. 12 and 6, 13, 5, what have you. I mean, it, but you're really not talking about that much separation, right? You're talking about a difference of, I mean, was that four games, really? You yeah. know, like four games ago, one way or the other. Uh, but come tournament time, that, that may be what matters, right? Well, it's not going to be a zero bid league, right? <laughs> but I guess winning it has the, to be one. Like winning yeah. the Pac 12 doesn't guarantee you getting into the tournament, as in at large, like winning the Pac 12 tournament does. So, you know, there's <laughs> no, like I said, I, Oregon is the one team that you say that's one that should be there. They're the most talented. Doesn't mean they will, but they're clearly talented enough. They're clearly more talented than Arizona. Everyone else, including ASU, who's looked better at times, but even ASU has three losses now, you know, including one to Vanderbilt. That's not a great loss on the road. So, you know, someone's going to get better. Someone's going to get going. Players are going to get hot, and they're just going to roll through the conference because it's not a very good conference. But there's also going to be a lot of teams that do those splits. Like we're thinking for Arizona, they're going to finish in the what probably six to ten win range, six yeah. to ten, six to eleven win range, and none of those teams are going dancing. So no. you know, as much as it's weird to talk about Arizona like that after only 13 games, saying well, their chances of making the tournament are probably slim to nil. I think that's kind of the reality that is this team right now, and they could surprise us. You know, Brandon Williams could turn that corner and become the guy we thought he'd be and carry this team. Justin Coleman could find that aggressiveness, and all of a sudden the backcourt is everything that we hoped it would be. You know, and then life's easier for Chase Jeter, and Ira Lee learns how to get out of foul trouble, and Barcelo makes a couple of shots. Barcelo or Smith or even Dutrieve is that spark off the bench, hitting a couple of threes, making a couple of plays. But just right now, it's going to take something... I think completely unexpected for Arizona to make a tournament run. That's not necessarily a horrible thing, I guess, because it yep. does give you something to watch. Still, like even if Arizona's not making the tournament, there's still enough guys on his team. Do Treves' development? You know, Ira Lee's, Brandon Williams, Brandon Randolph. Who of these guys will be back next season? How many of them will play big roles? We'll have to see. But there is something to play for. And for a guy like Justin Coleman, this is his last chance. You know, so I'd have to think he's going to be super aggressive, knowing that he came to Arizona with the idea of going to the tournament. He's a you know he's a grad transfer senior. This is it for him. Same thing with Ryan Luther. So, you know, there's still reasons to watch this team and even players to be excited about, assuming they progress. But if right now we're thinking turn like this time last year, even after the Bahamas trip, we still thought okay, this team's going to be good. You know, they could still make a Final Four run. And even the year before, we thought that too. This team clearly doesn't have that expectation on them. So, mm-hmm. you know, we thought maybe going into the year that would kind of let them play more free, more loose, not having those Final Four expectations. But instead, it seems like they don't have those expectations because they don't deserve them. Nothing about them warrants those expectations. So, yeah, I'm still going to watch. I'm still going to be invested in this season and this team. But I think just for right now, until shown otherwise, I'll be so in for, like, for different reasons than I used to be with other Arizona basketball teams. 
So I, I want to correct something I said earlier. I, I said that we play Washington twice. We actually only play them once, and it is in Tucson. So if, if you consider, let's let's just say that the, that the top three teams in the pack, uh, Oregon, ASU, and Washington, right? So in the regular season, five of our 18 games are against those three opponents. I'm trying to think like if there was a situation where you were to go, I mean, you're not going to sweep them. I mean, if you did, that'd be great, but I, that doesn't seem realistic. So if, if, if you were to go, let's just, I mean, even three and two might work, but let's just say if you went four and one against those teams and then you were able to go, well, what is that then? Nine and three and the others is 12 and five. No, no, no. 13. So don't make me do math, five. man. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> so, so let's say, uh, so if you go four and one against those, right? Five. So then you have 13 other games that you got to play there. Uh, say we go 10 and three in those 10 and three in those that puts us at a 14 and four. And that just doesn't seem realistic. You know what I mean? Like no, not from I'm, what I'm, we've seen. No, and and and, that, and that's I'm I'm trying to to draw out a number here against quality wins of of the lone quality teams. It feels like you know in in the in the conference of, of some kind of you know what would potentially set us up for you know just a little a little resume building in the Pac-12 tournament, but not necessarily win the Pac-12 tournament. You know what what would maybe give us that nod? If now, you of course, sweep Oregon if you sweep ASU because I think those are two teams that are going to have a chance for at-large bids by the time it's over with. Like. That puts you on in consideration, but why would we think that would happen? <laughs> yeah, see, that's why because so so then spin it the other way too. Like say say three and two right against those five teams, uh, three and two, and then still call it still call it the uh, the ten and ten and three in the other thirteen games. Right, there's your thirteen and five, and even that seems like the absolute ceiling, you know. And and I don't I don't think that. In order to get an at-large bid, you're going to have to, I feel like, at least go three and two against those teams, you know, yeah. because even even Washington, I mean, Washington is still solid, you know, and I think that they could be a bubble team, you know, come, you know, come March and stuff, too. So I, I definitely think that those three, you have to go at least three and two when at least three of those five matchups and. And of course, then not crap the bed in the rest of them like like we saw ASU do against Princeton, by the way. I was at Zips and I was giving that game, those Princeton Tigers, a standing ovation. I thought that was fantastic. <laughs> and thank you. And I don't care. I don't care if, if, if they just prevented an at-large bid from happening in our conference. So be it. Those Princeton Tigers, man, that was, oof, I loved that. That was great. I mean, it, it was yeah. funny. You know, <laughs> yeah, they, they, they beat Kansas ASU and Kansas. We all knew it because it wasn't like a true number one Kansas. But that's still that was a good win for ASU, and then to follow it up with losing to Princeton at home, oh, I mean, it was beautiful. Oh, it was so but beautiful. But that just goes to show you the nature of this conference too. I mean, again, like for as much down as we sound on Arizona, it's still an Arizona team that went on the road and beat a tough UConn team. Still beat Iowa State. I know Iowa State was missing some guys, but it's still a team that dominated Gonzaga for a half. That played right yeah. with Auburn. Like this isn't a bad basketball team yet. Through various times, through stretches of games or even entire games, they've looked like a bad basketball team. They've played like one. And yet, ASU could say the same thing right now. You know, they beat number one Kansas and then <laughs> lost to Princeton. <laughs> At home. You know, yeah. they got just destroyed by, by Vanderbilt, and they needed a nice, a big second half comeback to beat Georgia. Now, those two games are on the road, but that's the Pac 12 this year. You know, that same Oregon team that we're propping up also lost to Baylor. Mm-hmm. So. You know, no one right now looks like they should run away with the conference. And we're saying we think it'll be Oregon because they're the most talented. But that doesn't mean it's going to happen. We've seen plenty of talented teams fall short. We've seen it happen in Arizona at times. So just because we think that's going to happen, there's no one in this conference. Everybody thought ASU a week ago. And now they're out of the top 25. And people are like, what's wrong with the Sun Devils? Yeah. So someone, again, is going to win this conference. But whoever does doesn't necessarily mean they're going to win, make the NCAA tournament. But... <laughs> Well, just right now, Arizona is in that homogenous blob of just average teams who can play really well at times. They play really poorly at others, which is pretty much everyone in the conference. And yeah, if, if just things start to click, the Wildcats could make a run. Why not? But they, I think for most people, most reasonable people who watch this team have to do something more, a little bit consistently to make you think, you know what, I could see that run in them right now. Because do they... Do we even think Arizona sweeps their first two games at home in Colorado and Utah? I don't know. I can't say that right now. Mm. I'd like to, yeah. but I can't say that right now. And that's not because Colorado or Utah are great teams. They're not. But it's because I don't know where Arizona's at, and obviously playing at McHale Center isn't, doesn't make it a guaranteed win, not anymore. 
Yeah, so that that's a good segue, Adam. And I apologize to the listeners. We have eclipsed the sixty the sixty minute mark here, so we're going to make this quick for Colorado, uh, and then I guess even Utah for that matter. Uh, real quick, Adam, Colorado is sitting at a nine and three record on the year. Uh, not much really to be too excited about, though. It seems like kind of a house of cards, if you will. Uh, they, they 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 lost at USD. That is the U- University of uh, San Diego. Excuse mm-hmm. me, not. South Dakota, San Diego, and uh, they lost to Indiana State and then lost to Hawaii as well. I'm looking at this, and and I don't – their best win of the nine? New Mexico? That, because it, it was at New Mexico, so I, I think I would agree with you on that. I mean, I don't really – yeah, I guess it has to be right because there's really not much else there to feel that great about. Maybe Colorado State. I I, I don't know. Uh, I guess I guess the point here is that it, it seems kind of like a flimsy nine and three record, right? Yeah. So I think so. I, I think that uh, yes, you know, Tad Boyle he does a great job year in and year out. You know, uh, doing doing more with less. You know, whatever he wants. You know, whatever he stuck to us last year. You know, <laughs> talking about how oh it's so great uh, to you know not, not have the five star guys and still sneak away with win whatever in this case here i it this this seems a little bit um i don't want to say that it should be a blowout um i i i guess i think don't. it should be a blowout there's but nothing I, that I, says I, it I should be a blowout <laughs> i i guess i guess you you can't feel that way right i mean in tucson this team uh the buffaloes i don't know I'll, I'll circle one quick thing here and then we'll jump to utah real quick uh lucas seward right so we saw him a little bit last year uh they're 610 forward mm-hmm. i think this is going to be a great matchup uh to kind of gauge chase jeter a little bit more against you know maybe a more athletic seasoned guy another big right i mean that's essentially Excuse me. That's basically Chase Jeter looking in the mirror and seeing the six ten two thirty guy there, right? So um, we think that like the Spider Man meme where they're just pointing at each other right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. So uh, somebody to keep an eye on there. Uh, of course, then Brandon Williams. Yeah, we we don't want to go back to all that and just you know the, we've laid out the roadmap for improvement. I think that that can really get things done. Uh, moving on to Utah, you know. They're struggling, right? I mean, they're six and six, uh, I guess, struggling, uh, hashtag struggling for the Pac-12 at this point. But, uh, you know, Utah, looking at theirs, you know, yes, they lost at Minnesota. They also lost to Hawaii, uh, which is kind of interesting. I wonder, uh, I guess it's a good thing we didn't schedule Hawaii this year. Huh? Maybe that wouldn't have been too great. Uh, they also lost to Northwestern, respectable, uh, got blown out at Kentucky, I guess, right. That makes sense. And also lost big to, to uh, Nevada looking at what their wins are. You know, there's not, they beat GCU. They beat the, the fight and thunder Dan's. So I don't well, know, I guess that's certainly something, uh, Adam, I, you know, with, with this Utah going back to your question there, should we expect it? No, we shouldn't expect it, but I definitely would not be shocked. I mean, I, I definitely think that, um, yeah, I guess you can't expect them to sweep this weekend, but wouldn't it just be so nice just to kind of put put those put non-conference behind you, come out with two, I don't even know if you could say two big statement wins here, but just, you know, get get go on and get to Sunday with uh with with a 2-0 record in conference play. I mean, oh, yeah. how important would that be? Well, it's like we think of how ASU had all their great non-conference, get, you know, the last couple of years when they would start off conference like 0-2, 0-3 and just from there you're behind the eight ball. Like you yeah. don't want to do that. So yeah, you have to win your home games. If you're Arizona, you have no chance of having the type of conference season that you're hoping for. If you lose at home again, right? Like, yeah. like you can't mm-hmm. afford to lose at Michaela again. You need that mystique, that aura to be there. But I worry that teams like Colorado and Utah, like everyone's in the same boat knowing that they need to go on a hell of a run in the conference to have a chance at a tournament. And they're going to look at Arizona and say, you know what? Even though it's not the Arizona teams of the past, that's still Arizona. That's still a chance to win in McHale center where they yeah. haven't, won in years these teams some probably never have won there so mm-hmm. yeah, Arizona is still going to get people's best shot and yeah do I think Arizona's a better team on paper a more talented roster than Colorado do I think they're a more talented roster than Utah absolutely I do but just they haven't necessarily played like it consistently enough for me to say yeah they should blow these teams out they're going to sweep this weekend and again even if Arizona does sweep this weekend I'll feel better because they're t- that's a team taking care of business and that's mm-hmm. so important for a team like Arizona to be able to say you know we're better than you and we're just going to go out there, prove it, and move on to the next game. But, you know, whereas two wins here would make you feel a lot better about them going forward, it doesn't mean anything other than, okay, they might be better than Utah and Colorado. 
(laughs) who might be two of the lesser teams in the conference. We just don't know. But if nothing else yet, you want to see a Brandon Williams go out there and make shots. You want to see Coleman look aggressive, Chase Jeter continue to play well, you know, Brand, you know Randolph play well. Like you, if you see these things more consistently, then you start to say, you know what, maybe they can turn this thing around. You know, maybe Brandon Williams, if he becomes the 15-point-a-game scorer, shooting the ball much better clip, if Brandon Randolph's consistent, if all these things start happening, these things that you laid out, the roadmap, if they start to happen on a consistent basis over these next two games and maybe over the next two and so on and so forth, then you start to say this team development and say, you know what, maybe they can make that run. But right now I need to see it, and even these two games, like I want two wins. I, Arizona needs two wins. But I just can't predict him yet just because I don't know who this Arizona team is even after 13 games. I'll do it. I'll do it for you. We're okay, that's them. fine. You can we're do gonna it. We're going to sweep the weekend. And I we're like gonna your come style. Back next week. We're going to come back next week, Adam. We're going to be sitting at 11-4. and four And, uh, yeah, we'll do a little recap. And, and hopefully it's pretty. Hopefully hopefully some of the things, the, the apparent things have been corrected. Obviously, I, I don't expect it necessarily to be an overnight thing. But, uh, you know. We'll see how it goes. Uh, so, Adam, hopefully 11 and 4 next week when we circle back. And are you any, any plans for – are you going to go down for either game? Uh, no plans to go down for either game. Going up to Prescott actually on Saturday. Nice. So I'll make sure I can watch Lovely. the game on my phone or on a TV. Or no, I think it's a late game. No, it's an early game, right? Saturday? Saturday's noon. Yeah, it's Saturday's noon. So noon, I'll Arizona be time. on a nice little day trip. But I'll have my phone with, you know, Sling TV and all that fun stuff on it. Oh, yeah. And so no, I mean, yeah. I'll make sure I'm watching these games because – you know, until Arizona is as bad as we think they are in the conference, they could still be better than we think. So these games right yes. now, they, they still matter. Yeah, yeah. 11-4, and four, I mean, yeah, it's probably not pretty the way you got there, but I'll still take 11-4, and four, right? It beats the alternative. So, uh, all right, Adam, well, yeah, uh, safe travels. Make sure you pack a jacket because, oh, as yeah. you know, it's been freezing in Phoenix. I can I only imagine what's been one, up there. I think. I, I struggle in that department. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Right. Yeah. Uh, there's really no reason for, for the big, the big heavy jackets down here. So I hear you there. Uh, all right, everyone. So uh, enjoy the games. And then we'll catch up next week. Bear down.